Hey, it's Carolyn from Homesteading Family. Before we jump in today's pantry chat, I'd like to invite you to join me for a free four-part video series where I'm going to take you step-by-step through making high-quality dairy products in your very own kitchen. Don't worry, there's no cow required. (laughs) If you'd like to join me for the training, jump on over to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash dairy. Hey you guys, it's Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we're going to be talking about getting your pantry ready for the upcoming preserving season. This week's episode of the Pantry Chat is brought to you by BCS Two-Wheel Tractors. Now you may have already heard of the legendary versatility of BCS Two-Wheel Tractor for small farms and homesteads. We love ours here on Riverbend. It's the most efficient and time-saving choice for a small acreage. Building raised beds with a rotary plow attachment, mixing in soil amendments with the power harrow, and shredding cover crops in place with the flail mower. But a BCS two-wheel tractor is more than just a gardening tool. BCS powers more than 40 high-quality PTO-driven attachments, each with the power and performance of an all-gear drive transmission. Blow snow with the BCS's snow thrower. Chip and shred limbs and sticks with a chipper shredder. Clean up your property with a pressure washer. Haul up to 1,100 pounds, including yourself, with the ride-on utility tractor. And even spread compost over 30-inch beds with the spreader attachment. Yep, BCS is pretty much the Swiss army knife of power equipment for your homestead. Check out bcsamerica.com to see the full range of tractors and attachments and find your nearest BCS dealer today. That's bcsamerica.com. All right, well today we're gonna be diving into prepping your pantry, getting it ready for the upcoming preserving season, which is going to come fast. I mean, we're, we're in the heart of spring right now and getting things in the ground, but it's, it's before you know it, it's going to be time to be putting things up and stocking the pantry. Right. And there's probably already things starting to trickle into the pantry. I know we've already kind of come through the flush of eggs that come in, you know, and in the spring, early spring. And so there may already be a few things in the pantry, but this is really the time to take advantage of the pantry being at kind of its lowest mark of the year so that we can clean it up and get it all ready for this next season. So. Absolutely. And uh, before we get into that, I want to catch up on a little chit chat and you know, it, feels like it's been a while. It's been a month yeah. on this new schedule. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of missing this and wondering what you guys are thinking. How are you guys mm-hmm. liking the schedule? You know, do you want to see more of the pantry chats? We used to do them week by week and uh, we had to play around with the schedule a little bit. So we went to once a month. I'm kind of missing them. I, I feel like I'm kind of missing them too. Yeah. I, you know, I love getting to hang out with you guys, but I really also like just getting to sit here and have a cup of coffee with you and enjoy some moments of talking with you. It's a nice break in the day from the chores because we got to get right back up here and I've got some compost to go make next. Yes. So yeah. yeah, And you're actually doing that on video. That's Uh, exciting. Yeah, that sure is. Yeah. So you'll be looking for that video to be out. That's really fun. Okay. So, but it's been a while and we can't take too long, but what has been going on with you this past 
month. Yeah. Well, you know, this is spring. <laughs> and here in North Idaho, this is really spring. This is when we're really starting to dive in. So I think one of the biggest things around the homestead that's going on for me is getting the terraces, which is our new area of garden. Expanding. Yep. We've expanded yep. the garden. We've expanded the cottage garden really is what we've done to include a lot more of a kitchen garden with our fresh eating vegetables yep. that we want throughout the season. Gets them a lot closer yeah. to the house than the main crop, which is behind the house. And this is just a permaculture strategy. Right. Thinking about where things are. Right. And getting them closer to you. Yeah. And so we are getting that into production right now. Yeah. And it's really exciting to see little plants coming up in this new area. And I've got to say, there's an element of this terrace garden that I didn't expect that I'm really enjoying. And that is it's out in the front of the house, so which in- means it's facing the road. We're actually not far off the road on our property and it's actually facing the road. And so I'm out there working and our neighbors will drive by and I'll wave and they'll honk. And I've had multiple neighbors now pull into the yard and come and chat for five minutes, you know, just pull in because they see me out there and they'll come and say, hey, how are you doing? The gardens are looking great, you know, and just have this quick chat. And so I feel like being out in the front, we're being a little more visible and we're making connections or I am a little bit more with um, some of the neighbors, whereas usually you just wave and they'd go on by. Um, definitely an element of curiosity. There. Yeah, there is. And and, I don't know that we filmed the terraces, but we had a slope in front of the house, mm-hmm. and which is part of it is right directly in front of Carolyn's cottage garden, which yeah. you guys have probably seen some of the videos on that. And it just was kind of useless ground, just yeah. sloping off too st- steep to do anything with. Mm-hmm. And so we put that into terraces and now turning it into a growing place. And so yeah. that's looking pretty interesting. It's really going to get curious as it starts developing. Right. Yeah. But um, why don't you share with people what you're putting in there so they know what are the good things to get closer to the okay. kitchen? Yeah. You know? So some of the things that are obviously going in right now are the early spring things. We don't get to plant our main crop until the beginning of June. So we're not it's just coming up quick, It's coming up quick, but we're not there yet. So the early spring things have been in there. And those are things like our salad greens, our cooking greens. You know, you want those really close to the kitchen so you can just like trip out, go get a basket full and get them, you know, cooked for dinner. Um, Other things are fresh eating tomatoes. Those will go in with the main crop season as as we get past all the frosts. Uh, Cucumbers. Let's see, I've got spinach chard, some onions going in there for quick use, uh, not really the so storage all, yeah, onions. Yeah, this is not our preserving yeah. stock. This I is mean, for fresh okay, eating. Okay, so technically they're the same onions as we have right. for preserving for winter, but we're pulling these green and eating them fresh. Quick grab. Um, I'm playing with fava beans this year. I have cool. never done fava beans, but they're something that can really handle the frost. So yep. we need that for so. our long frost season. So tomatoes for, I think I said that, cucumbers. Summer squash. Summer squashes, melons, maybe I'm actually putting some loofah gourds in because it's a really nice warm spot. And I think I may be able to get away with growing my own. That'd be cool. Yeah. Exfoliant sponges. (laughs) You'll have to keep us updated on that. I will do that. If you can do that here, that would be really, really cool. That would be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely pushing the season. So we'll see. Good. What else is going on? Uh, what about you? You take a turn for a second. I got a lot going on. Wow. Well, you know what? You just, May is the season. We've been getting uh, a lot of the main crop in and the main garden. So mm-hmm. focused up there. And, um, you know, from cabbages 
to broccolis, which we're doing more of this year. Yeah. And that's going to be a challenge because we're flea beetles are our one major Good pest problem. And so we've been a little shy to go too far with those, but we're putting in two full rows because we really want uh, more of those in storage. Yeah. And uh, so we'll be working out strategies to deal with those guys. And uh, potatoes are in, carrots, beets, parsnips are all in, and getting ready for the main planting here in the beginning of June with our right. beans, our corn, our winter squash. Mm-hmm. So really work in that space and composting and animals are out and moving. Yes. And Yay. then we've got the pigs just finishing up prepping one area where the corn and squash is going to go and get mm-hmm. ready to move them over to where they can turn uh, our main compost pile a bit right. add to it. And chicken tractors out and we're using those chickens to um, prep some future food forest areas. Right. Yeah, not too far off here, the meat chicks are going to come in. Wow, so it is, there's a lot that's going why, on. We're in full season. Okay. And then there's one other thing that I do want to talk about that I have been up to, and that is filming the dairy class. You guys, the more lessons that I film in this class, the more excited I get about it. Because, you know, when I've been making dairy by myself at home, I just kind of, uh, for myself, not to share with you guys, I just squeeze it into the corners of my days. And I really had to sit down when I thought about this class and and think about, you know, what are the challenges with dairy? And, you know, the biggest one for me, and I'm assuming for most of you guys, and let me know in the comments if this is true, is the time. Like, who has the time to just add all these hours of like cheese and yogurt and butter and all these different amazing things that we want to do with all this dairy into their schedule? And so I really kind of started breaking down the process and realized, you guys, I can do everything that I need to do for dairy within a couple hours a week. And that is what I am teaching you guys in this class. I'm super excited. I mean, sour cream, butter, yogurt, uh, hard cheeses, soft cheeses, like if you do it the right way, if you get really practical about it. You can fit it all into a really tight amount of time, and it's really exciting. So and then, I, I'm excited to share this with you guys because I think it's going to make dairy super, super doable on the homestead, whether you have a milk animal or not. Right, because you can still buy in good milk right. and upscale mm-hmm. all these products, which brings a lot of value into your home because yeah. th- those are high, high-dollar products and high-nutrient products Absolutely. if you've got good quality milk to start with, yeah. regardless of whether you're buying it or... And, or um, I am also talking about what to do if you can't go out and buy raw milk. I know some places you really can't go get it at this point, but I am talking about what do you do if you just have to go to the grocery store and get milk. Yeah. So we'll be covering that too. So yeah, this is is exciting. This is going to be a good class. I'm so excited. I'm sure you'll keep us updated here. Yes. So the release date is going to be in September, but we're going to get a wait list going probably in July. And there's going to be a lot of like specialty stuff in that, um, special lessons that are exclusive to that wait list. There's wow. going to be a lot of fun stuff in there. And like always, because we love you guys, you guys are our people who just hang with us through everything. We're going to make sure you get the best price offer that will ever, ever, ever show up in this class um, when we first release it, because we want to make that's, sure you get the best deal. That's if you're on the wait list. That's going to be right? if you're on so the you're wait list. You're going to have to yeah. get on. You'll have time. You have to we'll sign let up you know. Email. <laughs> we'll let you know as soon as that comes out. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, we better um, keep moving along a little bit because we okay. got a couple questions before we dive into main topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, these look like better butter questions. Mm-hmm. Better butter. Um, 
<laughs> Michael Draconis on how to make butter is asking, since you have had a Bosch mixer and a KitchenAid, which one, um, which one do you find to be more reliable in a versatile appliance? Right. Bosch versus the KitchenAid. Yeah, I and, think I know that And one. I'm going to answer uh, not just for butter making, but for everything across the board, and it's hands down the Bosch. Um, I've actually gone, I just got another KitchenAid. It looks really pretty on my kitchen counter. <laughs> I actually got it because we have so many bakers now with six daughters in the house and a couple of boys who like baking that we needed a secondary mixer for when we're all in the kitchen working. Um, but hands down, every single one of us grabs the Bosch mixer when we go to do anything. It is just a workhorse and it holds a lot more and um, it's lighter it's quieter. It's just a nicer machine to work with, but it isn't pretty. That's the downside. Yeah, but I got to tell you, as the guy that's usually behind replacing things, fixing yeah. things, you know, solving yes. those types of problems, yeah, the Bosch is hands down a workhorse and reliable. And just in our kind of con our type of context, um, the KitchenAid's good so far and good for certain things. But when you're working on the homestead and you need a, just a good workhorse. Uh, the, have, the Bosch has held up yeah. so, so well. I have burned through four KitchenAids yeah. in 15 years. Yeah. And that's in about 12 years. I have used that Bosch like crazy and it's never failed me once. Yeah, I think we so. replaced a couple um, gears Oh yeah, or sometimes the beaters, yeah. the cookie beaters, because yeah. the kids yeah. like, yeah. But the motor's still powering <laughs> through. I mean, we've literally burned oh, yeah. up the motors on the KitchenAid. So they're good. They, yeah. They've got their right place. Yeah. But great. Good, good. question, We probably Michael. better just skip on because okay. we're taking a while. So. All righty. So diving in the main topic, we're talking about getting the pantry ready, a little specifically for getting ready for preserving season. Yes. And uh, it's kind of a little bit of spring cleaning here, so to speak. Yeah. And this is a really important time of year to do this because, you know, you don't want to put your fresh, good foods into a dirty pantry. That's just going to invite all sorts of pest issues, mold issues, you know, and while your canned goods, if you canned things may be safe, you, it's just not a healthy environment to be propagating for food storage. We want to make sure we're working cleanly so that we have healthy, long-lasting food. Besides efficiently using up what you, you know, yeah. cycling everything through, making sure stuff isn't getting lost, yes. pushed to the back, and just efficiency of use so it's easy for you to go in and get things. Right. Cool. So you want to dive into yeah, the let's, points here? Yeah, let's get going. Okay. Point number one that you've got is to get rid of anything you aren't using. Yeah, so when you go down to your pantry and you're like, hey, I got to start cleaning this out. What do I do first? The first thing is to look through all of the things that you have not been using. We all have those things sitting on the shelf that we're like, oh, I thought I thought my family would love this particular canned good and it's still sitting here. <laughs> um, you know, if you're not using it regularly, like unless you have a special reason which would be, I'm saving this for a special holiday. We have things special like that. There are yeah. special occasion things that we make. Um, if you don't have that reason, if you haven't pulled something in six months, then you need to start thinking about either use it up right now or move it on either to somebody who will use it or maybe it's time to give it to the chickens and get those jars back in circulation if it's a canned good. You know, this is really the month to be eating out of your pantry. Maybe, you know, for most of the country, May, you don't have like sustaining crops coming mm -hmm. in yet. Yep. You're not eating some of those like staples out of the garden. 
Um, and so this is a, a good moment to like, let's eat down the pantry. Let's, let's use it off and really focus on getting those kind of odds and ends um, used up. And that's true in the freezer too. If, you know, sure. we're not really talking about the freezer, but the same thing happens in the freezer. There comes a point where you're like, okay, this is the month. We're using the sweet the, the breads liver, the and sweet the liver breads, the and <laughs> uh, whatever the random cuts right, are. Right, all the little things that have kind of fallen <laughs> yeah. through the cracks. So this is the moment to be using those things. Very cool. Okay. Point number two is to sort the remaining items and take note of what you have left. Yeah. This is really important as you continue to get better and better at your um, food storage, like management skills, to pay attention to... What is it that you have a whole lot left of? You know, we got to the end of winter. We're starting to get fresh veggies in or fresh, you know, foods in. What is it that you still have a huge stock of? Maybe it's that dehydrated zucchini that you never got around to. I'm looking at myself when I said that because I've got jars of dehydrated zucchini <laughs> sitting there that I'm still like, what was I? What did I think I was going to do with this stuff? <laughs> so you know, you're going to have a lot of ideas. Now, I'm good. I'm sure. Give me your ideas because I've got like three gallon jars of dehydrated zucchinis that I need to do something with. Um, so you know, really take note of that because if you're not going to use it, um, don't don't put the energy into preserving it next year. It's just not worth your time if you're not going to use it. it. It's better just to give those things to the chickens, give them to a friend, give them to the pigs or focus on using them fresh when they're fresh in season. The other thing you want to take note of is what did you run out of early? <laughs> Where, what are those big gaps on your shelf that you wish still had something in it? Maybe it's your raspberry jam. Um, I know that's what I just heard from the kids. Like, we need more raspberry jam next year. Mm, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. And so make sure you're writing these things down. Just a quick note, um, because, you know, Four weeks from now, eight weeks from now, when you're actually getting those raspberries in from the garden, you need to kind of remember, oh, yeah, that's right. I wanted to turn more of these into jam than I did last year. Yeah. So um, just make sure that you, um, you take note of it. The other thing to pay attention to is what did you or your family not like, but you decided to choke down anyways? Just don't bother. <laughs> just don't do it next year. Um, because, yeah, your time is just too valuable for that sort of thing. So yeah. taking inventory, really, of, of what has happened during the year, during the winter, and your eating patterns is super important before you go into the next preserving year. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Good, good points. Okay, number three, um, clean out your space and organize your foods. And you can check out this other pantry chat that we have on organizing your pantry specifically. Right. But you've got some some discussion points here on cleaning out and organizing. Yeah, again, this is the easiest time of year because you have the least amount of stuff theoretically in your pantry this time of year before the preserving season starts. So we really want to get everything off every single shelf. I know that's painful, but you know that old spring cleaning um, mantra was that you touched every single surface. You cleaned off every single surface in your house once a year so that you, you know, we're starting fresh every year. And this is really important in the pantry. You start getting cobwebs, you get dust. You know, if you put a jar away sticky, you got a little bit of stickiness stuck to the counter. Maybe somebody spilled some pasta or something like that. You need to clean that stuff up once a year at least. 
Um, and it's ideal if you want to use a hot soapy water for your shelving to get that really clean, maybe a little bit of vinegar in there, depending on the material that your shelves are made out of. Cool. Um, one trick for you guys, I have a lot of people asking me this time of year what to do with the leftover lime water from storing your eggs. Okay. Okay. Historically, that would be turned into a whitewash and pantries would be whitewashed. Really? The reason that ma- that for that sense. is lime deters critters. Right. Things don't like lime. It is antibacterial. It's antifungal. And it's highly alkaline. And it's because it's very alkaline. Things right. can't live in it very well. So this is a great thing to do with it. Um, it may color your shelves a little bit white, so be aware of that. But if they're just pantry shelves and you're okay with it, use a little bit of that on the sponge to wipe things down. Just remember, make sure you've got rubber gloves on because it's very alkaline. It will dry out and ultimately burn your hands if your you hands so are in it yeah. too often. But it'll be fine as soon as it's dry on the shelf. We should do a video sometime on old whitewashing. On, yeah. on just all of that and how to make it and, right. and how it was used. Because that's really, that's kind of fell to the wayside. But that was actually very important. It wasn't just about making everything white. Right, it, exactly. You know, no, it was know, a cleaning that, agent that a done dis- once a year to really disinfect and to clean an area. So it was know, really important. Let us know yeah. if you guys would be interested in that. I think that's an interesting I topic. think that would be. Yeah, yeah we, should, we should whitewash. We haven't actually done the full whitewash, which yeah. has a few other steps than just the lime water. Yeah. But it's, you know, really really good. Yeah. So don't forget your floors, like clean the entire area while you're there. Spend some time, just get it done. You're going to love being in your pantry the next year. <laughs> and that's, you know, honestly, there's a psychological side to your pantry. As you see those jars going in, or maybe, you know, those dehydrated foods or those fermented foods, it really gives us a real sense of satisfaction. And, um, you know, especially as a mom, I've got to say so many things that we do as a mom disappear. They get undone instantly. You know, you clean the kitchen and it's instantly a wreck again. You make a great meal and it's gone in less time than it took you to make it. And so seeing your pantry just always feels so satisfying. Um, So making it a nice place by making sure it's nice and clean really, really Uh, adds to that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Good. Yeah. And uh, Oh, sorry. Then we need to put everything away. Here's the thing. Make sure it's labeled. Make sure it's labeled. Always, always, always label it. Even if you didn't label it when you put it on your shelf, at least label the year that you canned it. If you're like, I just know those are green beans. There's nothing I could confuse them with. Please make sure when you put it back in that they at least have the year written on the label. Make sure you're using things up in a timely manner. Yeah, and you need to be able to rotate out your your stock. So just just double check that. Okay. Cool. All right. All righty. And last point here. Check your preserving supplies. Get ready. Yes. And this is a really good time of year to make sure you're totally stocked up on your preserving supplies. Now, for me, I like to keep a lot of my supplies right in my pantry. My empty jars go right back in onto a different pantry shelf for storage. So they're easy for me to grab later. But, you know, this year, there's some challenges on finding the supplies. They're starting to trickle back into the market in some places. Some places, they're still hard to find. But right now, they're out there if you just start looking. So make sure you're looking for your supplies and get your entire year worth, your entire year's worth right now and add those to your pantry so that you're ready to preserve for the whole year. Um, we have a video on that 
on getting stocked up at least for your canning year. So uh, keep an eye out for that. It's up here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, just uh, just make sure you're getting ahead because we need to make sure you have the supplies now before everybody else thinks about their preserving year. So yeah, go just find it. Taking a little action ahead of time is really, really helpful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, following these steps, you guys, will help you be ready when that rush of preserving season actually comes on, which is important to be ready for it in advance so you can just fill up the pantry and move on. It has been great hanging with you guys. We'll see you soon. Hey, check out that video on getting all of your canning supplies right there. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.